You're listening to the Sketchnote Army Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Rohde, the author of the Sketchnote Handbook and the Sketchnote Workbook. And this is the podcast where I chat with sketchnoters and visual thinkers and try to understand what makes them tick. This episode of the Sketchnote Army Podcast is brought to you by Neuland, the innovative maker of visual thinking tools. Every Neuland product is designed with passion to be durable and sustainable. Check out their newly redesigned Neuland Fine One line of water-based refillable markers. The rich black permanent outliner in bullet and brush options. The crisp fine lines and rich colors of the sketch line. The flowing, variable brushes and colors of the art line. Save 15% with code Neuland at sketchnotearmy-2021 at neuland.com until May 30th, 2021. And now, on with the show. In this episode of the podcast, I have a great discussion with Martin Hausman, a visual facilitator, author, trainer, and creator of the Beekablo visualization technique. Martin talks about how he developed his Beekablo approach and the ways it's helped thousands of people around the world express themselves visually through training and Beekablo visual dictionaries. You're going to enjoy this one. Hello, everyone. This is Mike Rohde, and I'm here with uh, Martin Hausman. How are you doing today, Martin? Oh, great. And thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure and a great opportunity for me. You're so welcome. Um, huge fan from a distance. I don't know why we haven't met before. I think we've uh, swimming in the same pool and just uh, yeah. at the wrong at the other end of each other or something. So um, I'm excited to chat with you and learn more about uh, the work you're doing. I think it's really important. I think we have a similar mindset, so it's really fun to discover people who are sort of doing the same thing from a different perspective. Before we get too much into uh, what you do now, tell us uh, who you are and what you do, and then talk a little bit about how you ended up in this space. Like, what drew you into visual thinking? Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you, Mike. Well, I'm, from my background, I'm a graphic designer. So I studied graphic design in Stuttgart, um, in, a, in a place uh, that focused very much on conceptual design. So switch on your brain and then start to think visually and not switch on your pen and then think of it later. So I was, I was very much into the question during my studies and also in my work afterwards as a graphic designer, how I could get involved my clients into the design process. So when I was designing a logo, after designing 10 logos, I didn't care about green or blue or red. <laughs> I didn't care about um, intention and the, the impact graphic design could do. And when I asked people or my clients whether they wanted to do a workshop with me or whether they wanted to get more involved into why should we use a certain color or a certain shape or what could be the story behind a certain design like a logo or or um, you know design of a website or design of a, of a leaflet, they always just stepped back and said, well, interesting, but we don't have time for that. We don't have mm. resources. So this was the point, and I was in Cologne then, which is my, my hometown now. It's, a, it's mm -hmm. quite a very nice place um, in Germany. So um, I met Holger Scholz, and he is, um, it's, been, it's been actually 20 years ago now. He's uh, the founder of Kommunikationslotsen, a company name that nobody in the English-speaking world can ever pronounce. But anyway, Kommunikationslotsen was and still is a facilitating company and community. So I asked him, could you just 
do a workshop with me with my clients because I'm not that much into facilitation. I'm into I'm into I'm a graphic designer. I'm into design, and try and develop the design, the logo, the colors, the the look and feel, whatever, along with the clients. So he said, yes, let's try it out. But actually, we never just get got to that point because people just didn't see a sense in it. Maybe there is no sense in it. But anyway, this is how the contact between Holger and me um, established. And one day he showed up and said, Martin, you're a graphic designer and an illustrator. Do you, can, can you do um, graphic recording? And I thought, never heard of that. But I said, yes, of course I can. <laughs> good, <laughs> that's the way man. to learn, to, to claim <laughs> you can do something. That's, that's my way of learning. And he, he just took me to a conference where he worked as a facilitator in an open, open space or world cafe setting. And I was really amazed how easy it is when you have the right preparation, which is not that easy, but how easy it feels when people get together with the right large group intervention to talk to each other. And I was just there on the pin board having some uh, pens and just trying to follow the process. And I'm really happy I don't have this result anymore because it's worse than, worse, worse, worse than anything <laughs> that people can do after a two day training with Bicablon now. So, but that's, that was my start. And yeah. like 20 years ago, nobody knew about graphic recording or about visual facilitation. And Mike Grody wasn't there to introduce us to the term of sketchnoting. So this was like a pioneer mm -hmm. situation. And uh, since people liked the idea of having this graphic recorder with the facilitator, we just um, moved ahead. And then, um, yeah, um, colleagues started to address us whether they could also learn how to visualize. And I said, well, I have this graphic recording or not graphic recording, but graphic facilitation and graphic um, graphic design actually background. And I studied also as a, in the field of illustration, so I knew how to draw. And, and then we thought of how could we just um, make a very, very simple visual language that anybody in the world can learn in two days. This is usually the time frame for the training here in Germany. So that's when we started to think of visualization and visual thinking. And yeah, so that's that's the beginning of a, of a long story. Now um, I'm uh, the founder and co-director along with my colleague Karina of the Bicablo company. Mm -hmm. Bicablo is a word that doesn't make sense. It doesn't need to, it sounds funny. It's build a cotton block, which means uh, a block of cards with pictures on it. And it was actually the idea, or I think the name was the idea of Guido Neuland, who heads up the Neuland company, mm -hmm. because he used to be a sponsor for a conference of us. And then we got together in the evening to talk about collaboration. And we started just to, to think of products we could do together. And then he said, I have this moderations cotton block, so a, a block of cards for facilitation. Could we do just the same, like this block spiral bound and, and uh, nice to handle? Just with images, and then it's not mm -hmm. a moderations cotton block; it's a builder cotton block. So it would be B Cablo. So this was ah, the start of the brand. Gotcha. And uh, since we were possibly the first, or not not really the first ones, but among the first pioneers in Germany to work on visual language, this got quite um, quite successful. Also because Neuland had all the clients that mm -hmm. use pinboards and flip charts and markers. So there were trainers and facilitators and they liked the stuff and they came to our training. And then in the end, we got our own company, which is the Bicablo company now, 
And what we do is, of course, a lot of training. I think last year, before Corona, we had about 6,000 participants in our training. Wow. We have about 30 people here in the Cologne area mostly, so in Germany, that do mm -hmm. the training and also graphic recording, visual facilitation and visual storytelling uh, for our German headquarter here in Cologne and another 30 people all around the world. So we have a global okay. team that we can um, address to and do like a franchise system, do our training methodologies in Peru and in China and US, Canada, wherever. And that's growing. So that's fantastic. That's, that's a good story because it's a story about a community. That's what I like. Yeah, I agree. I, I think sketchnoting in the same way as a community, I think that's what makes it yeah. interesting. So this is also Absolutely. interesting to me because it's sort of self-perpetuating in some ways, right? Um, yeah. And I, I really so, like to the, I wanted to come back to, you said that the first work that you did uh, with this colleague uh, was terrible, right? You would, it would, you would never, uh, want you would never want to show it but in some yeah. ways i think it's really important that you did that first step right um it's it's the idea of ad agility that you start with something right if you have something now you can build on it if you never did that first one then you couldn't do the second one and the third and the hundredth and the and now teaching yeah. right so it's really important that the first one happened because without that first building block uh you can't move forward so i think that's that's pretty interesting to hear. I, I feel the same way about my first sketch note that I, yeah. where I intentionally did it. I look back on it and it's okay, but you know, it was really the formation of that idea mm -hmm. compared to what I'm doing now. It's not, not at the same level, but I've also had many years to, you know, work on this technique. So it's pretty interesting to hear that, that uh, origin story. That's basically the, the main idea, almost the operating system of our training concept. People come in and say, I don't know if this if the proverb exists in English. They say we have two left hands. Ah, oh, yeah. I can't draw with this one and I can't draw with the other one as well. So what we basically do in the training is to give some very easy to learn. Well, it's, it's a technique that we teach, but also the, the setting and the spirit that people get very, very little success steps yes. every five minutes. Mm -hmm. So they, I can draw a light bulb. Wow, I can draw a light bulb combined with a person. Wow, I can draw a light bulb combined with a person in a in a speech bubble, and I can add some shadowing. So it's very short steps of um, success, yeah. and of course of positive um, feedback from the group. And that that's uh, the way I think people learn. It's always to have um, short um, experiences of success mm -hmm. and of. Um, um, I wonder, wonder what the English word is. In German, we say "wirksamkeit" that you that you are able to do to do something to to, mm -hmm. to cope with the problem or whatever. And when you do it in very short steps, people stay there with fun. And if it's looking not that good, they look just to the other person on the flip chart next to them, and they see it's not better there. But after two days, they see, wow, we've done a really, mm -hmm. really big journey in little steps. And that's that's a secret, mm -hmm. actually, behind. Behind learning in general, not only yeah. visual learning, but behind learning in general. And you just applied that for Bika Blow training, where it's almost like micro confidence, right? It's a micro yes. confidence builder, and then you keep on building these up, and pretty soon you have, you know, confidence in general. After two days, when you see where you started and where you've come to, that's got to be a pretty exciting feeling for your students. Hmm. Wow! And so. The, the organization is uh, international, 
so how does it work with your franchisees or for your partners, I guess is maybe a better word. What's a typical path? Do they take the training and decide, I'm so excited about this. I want to be a representative. And then there's some other training that helps them set up. Yes. How does that work? People meet us from all over the world, usually because they just step over our website or Mm -hmm. possibly they have one of the three um, in December, there's going to be four visual vocabulary books that we published along with Neuland. So they see the images, they see they can um, do a lot of things on their own. So you just copy it and combine and you see, ah, oh, that's great, I can visualize and then they gain a little confidence and then possibly they get to one of the trainings that we offer. Um, maybe they meet up, meet us in an online meetup or however, and then they ask us, could, could I be uh, a visualization trainer? And we ask them usually, are you already a trainer? And when they say no, we say it's going to be a long journey. <laughs> yeah. And if they say yes, we ask, do you have any um, background in visualization or do you do this? And usually they say, no, I'm not a graphic guy, but I tried with the books and I did some stuff on my own. And then we have a look and when we see a certain potential, which not necessarily needs to be a professional um, skill, it could be anyone who's just a little bit into mm-hmm. the whole thing and who's passionate about it, then we invite people to a train the trainer event, which now is whole, it's held um, online. But okay. usually we like to have people here in Cologne with us. Sure. Also to meet because it's not it's not a network, it's a community, so people have mm-hmm. to meet. And then they get to know the background of the training, not just the surface. If you're attending a training, you see the surface of the training and right. you're in the training flow. But in behind, there's a lot of methodologies. It's also facilitation questions. It's question about very much about attitude as a trainer. Mm -hmm. And of course, you have to know a lot more than the things that you deliver in a training because people might ask a question. Right. And the question is not in the agenda. (laughs) And a good trainer is somebody who can answer personally who can give a good answer that, that, that helps the attendant to, to move ahead. So um, it's it's not a very long way because our systematic is very well documented. We have a trainer mm-hmm. handbooks and, and uh, this kind of things that help people um, to become a good trainer. But it's not something, for example, that um, an illustrator who is used to work on his desk all the time can do because it's about training and possibly the Training skills are more important than the visual mm-hmm. skills that people come or bring to the table when they mm-hmm. start to work with us. That's really interesting. And, 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 and the most important thing is that people also meet as a community, even if it's uh, Chao Li who's in China, together with Jill who's in Calgary, together with Alexandra and Christian who are in Peru. They have to meet frequently also to share and to, to exchange, not only about the training, but also about marketing and setting mm-hmm. up the training business and so on. So. That's what the community in Bicablo is also about. Mm. The big advantage I see there is because you are such a, a varied community, you might find that something, uh, maybe something works in Peru, but it doesn't work in China. Or maybe there's something that works. You're seeing a trend like, wow, this is really interesting. This is happening in China. It's happening in mm-hmm. Peru. It's happening in Calgary. Maybe it's time to adjust the training a little bit to accommodate for it if it looks like the right fit. The other thing that's really fascinating about this whole, it's almost like, for for me, the word ikagai came to mind, which is this Japanese mm-hmm. idea, right? Yeah. It's sort of like yeah. 
So you can be an you can be an illustrator, an artist, but not a good trainer, and it's going to be a you know you have to have the right temperament, I think, to be sort of a facilitator, right? So it can be learned, but it's like you said, it could be a long road, or you could be a really good facilitator who maybe years weaker on the drawing part. Maybe that's in some ways maybe that's easier yes. to learn than the facilitation part of it. <laughs> but it's again, it's a combination of these different aspects in the right mix that produces a person who's a good fit. And it's pretty interesting to hear that you're, you have such a wide network of community members that help you that I think that makes it so much stronger, right? Because you're not, you're not brittle, right? You've got a lot of different perspectives and people Mm -hmm. actually living it out in the world that are giving you feedback and then, um, you know, making that helping each other, right? That's, I think a really big key that might be missed is this idea that, you know, someone in Peru could be helping someone in Calgary through a challenge, right? So that every time you do that, you talk about the facilitator needing to have the answers more than necessary. Uh, that's where they may get it from. It's like, oh, I had this situation. This person asked this question and I wasn't sure what to do. And uh, I thought this was the answer and that turned out to be right. But well, I was really scared in the moment. And so someone else is learning, okay, then I can prepare for that, right? So that's really fascinating. And people talk about the same set of icons that they teach and the same methodology. So uh, for me, it's it's great to have a community I can be part of, which is about life quality. And I think it's like this for everyone who, who shares the community. But on the other hand, it's also um, something where you can grow together. So people mm-hmm. that are in a training team start to develop their own methodologies and they share with others and these methodologies are not just things that are flying in the air they are completely connected with the methods and the techniques they have for the basic training we we started with one basic training which was about two days and then we had an advanced training and now we have about 12 different Mm. training um, agendas that we can adjust also for in-house purposes Mm. but the even if we've done training number 13 or 14 it's still the same um, assumptions about visualization and still the same attitude towards the group and towards drawing so that's something that this community has as a dna now Mm. and that's that's something for me it's something really huge Mm. and Mm. and nice to watch so i i can become maybe a writer again so I, I like to write books so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I like to step back and, and set the scene for, for other people and uh, that's mm-hmm. that's a nice thing about having the community you don't have to be in front all the time that's an interesting tidbit I hadn't thought about until you mentioned it and it was uh, when I heard about Picablo I saw I saw your trainers other people it took a while for me to find you which is really <laughs> an interesting uh, observation that you were sort of in the background helping other people right? Yes. Uh, but you were not in the front and center. And I thought that was a pretty attractive aspect. And it told me a lot about the way that you operated, which I think is really positive, right? Community minded. Yeah, you know, not, it's a strategy for yeah. us. Yeah. It's not um, that I'm, I'm shy, not maybe I'm a bit shy, but, but um, it's a strategy because I can't be everywhere. That's the right. first thing. And that's the, what was the basic thing when I started the company along with Karina. Uh, she's she's my co-founder and co-director of the company and I told mm-hmm. her I rather sit on my desk and work on methodologies than doing training from Monday to Friday mm. and I rather have people that can multiply the whole thing 
worldwide because I have a little son of six, six years, so I like to stay at home for the moment. And actually he was born at the same moment that we founded the company. So um, uh, it, it was some sort of also marketing thing that we thought it is not one or two persons or three persons that, that are like the superheroes of the whole thing. It's mm -hmm. a large community of people and it's an idea behind. And when you have, when you are part of the brand, you carry this idea and it doesn't matter if you do a training with Charlie or with Stefan or with, with Jill or with the other Jill or with somebody else, it's always the, the spirit and the methodologies and the techniques and the whole thing just delivered by one person who's part of it. And that's big fun as well. We like to party and we like to meet and we like to tell mm -hmm. jokes and yeah. Sounds like a you great won't community. do this alone. Right. That's really great. Um, you mentioned in passing um, that you have books. Tell me a little bit more about the books specifically. I've seen those on Neuland's site. You know, mm -hmm. I'm an ambassador for Neuland, so I'm, I'm yeah. aware of them from that perspective. But I would love to hear more. That might because it sounds like that is an entry point for some people, right? That, um, mm -hmm. yeah. that they can come in through the books first and then go to the training. Yeah. So talk about that a little bit. So if you want to start right away, it's easiest to buy the first Bicablo book. It's called Bicablo One, and mm -hmm. um, it carries the easiest um, pictograms that we have. So it's it's a good starter. You get them exclusively at Neuland, or you won't get them at Amazon or wherever else. Mm -hmm. You get them at Neuland. And um, if you have some experience, you might as well, or first buy Bicablo 2, which is a bit more sophisticated, all with templates for posters and so on. Mm -hmm. And then we have Bicablo Emotions, uh, which is about actually drawing figures. We have also, okay. uh, everything is really systematic, so we have a step-by-step -step approach to draw figures you can turn into comic strips for business. So this is Picablo Emotions, and then we will release in December, hopefully, Picablo Posters, which is about just, it's, it's going to be just posters for facilitation and mm. presentation and graphic recording and storytelling. Actually, we thought this was the easiest, so I started it just as a second project in the middle of the year, and it turned out the most sophisticated project because we had to deal a lot with methodologies that people mm -hmm. use for the facilitation. So this is going to be released in, in December, hopefully, maybe in January. We don't know about okay. the release date because Corona is involved in everything. Sure, sure. And if you, I think if you want to get deeper into not only the drawing of icons and the designing of posters, but want to know a little bit more about the business about the, the attitude as a visual facilitator or you want to know the difference between a visual facilitator and a graphic recorder and a mm -hmm. sketch noter and a visual storyteller if this profession exists i suggest to buy the utsmo book utsmo is also mm -hmm. a funny word that has no meaning uh, although it, you can you can form the, a light bulb with the four letters the, the, the U is the just the basis of the light yeah. bulb and the O yeah. is the, the glass bulb and you have the M like the spiral with the with the light. Ah, I see. So this was a funny idea. We, so this is this is a three hundred pages book with a lot of text, of course, also a lot of images, but I wanted to do this book because I wanted just to put everything I knew at this time, five or six years ago, between two covers and um, release it and then start something new. So mm -hmm. this book is is uh, it's published also in English. All the books are German English. So okay. the Utsmo book is in German, English, French, and now we're gonna have a Chinese version. Wow, which I'm really Excellent. looking forward to. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And I guess the good news is if it's uh, available through Nyland, you can, of course, then pick up your supplies so you can practice, right? So you can do drawing and, and those kind yeah. of things with it at the same time and, you know, add that in your order and take advantage of the shipping cost. Interesting. So um, it's pretty interesting sort of the, I guess, the the network and the, the things you built uh, over time. It's really exciting to see. And it's um, it's fun to see how you're impacting the world. I would guess a bulk of your students are in Germany, but it sounds like they're actually quite a bit around the world, right? It's not limited yeah. to Germany, but that's sort of like the, I guess, the foundational point, I guess, since you started there. It is, yeah. As far as classes, um, would how would somebody, if someone is listening to this and they're thinking, oh, I want to take that two-day course, how would they go about that? Where would they go? And what can you sort of flesh out for them what the two days in general look like? Obviously, we can't go into specifics because it would take two days to do that, but... In general, what, what could someone yeah. expect if they joined that class? Um, the first step, I guess, is to go to our website, which is bicablo.com. And then you have the possibility to meet a trainer team in your region. Hmm. We, we have, uh, not in every country, but, but it could be, by chance, uh, be the possibility that there's going to be uh, an in-class uh, training just nearby. Okay. Although we know from our trainer colleagues all around the world, they are suffering from the corona distancing yeah. uh, rules the same way that we do it here in Germany. Yeah. So we had to stop a lot of training and uh, we switched to online training, mm-hmm. which is from the facilitation of the training completely different, although mm-hmm. we want to teach people or to get people in touch and share the same methodologies and the same techniques and the same way of drawing that we do in the in-class, in-house, uh, in-class training situation. So what we what, what you could find is a training nearby, usually it's two days, or if you are in a company, you could just ask us or the trainers in your region to come in for a two-day or one-day in-house see. training. So that's actually, I think, more, of, more than 70% of our mm. training business is just to travel around and do and do training just for close teams mm-hmm. um, and that's also something which we like to do because we can adjust to the abilities of people and also to their business and find icons for example that adjust to health or to IT or to mm-hmm. whatever kind of stuff they are doing and um, the global team also does in-house so you just have to address them and asking for the content of the two days um, you learn the technique that we have developed, which is, as we have been talking about just um, before a minute, very simple, very systematic, and very step-by-step. Step. Hmm. So you learn how to first, how, how to hold your pen, which is crucial, as you know, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> so a pen is not a pen, and uh, it depends on the tip, and it depends how you hold it. And for me, actually, this was the the great uh, problem I had when I did my first graphic recording, I was accustomed to work on a small piece of paper on the, on yeah. the, on the desk, but I wasn't accustomed to draw with a big marker on, on a, on a vertical a surface, board. right? Yeah, yeah, on a graphic wall. So that's something completely different from drawing yeah. in, in, in small scale. So that's the point where we start and we ask people to think of how to, to press the, the pen and how to make circles and so on. And once mm. they got that, we start, we have a set of uh, um, basic shapes that we use for almost everything that we draw then. We have mm-hmm. a collection of 120 icons. We also 
it's also a collection that we saw with Nolan. But you can, with a, with a set of like uh, eight basic shapes, you can draw any of these icons, just combining them in a certain way. And then you combine these icons together to make little situations, little key uh, images and, and, and little comic frames, for example. And then um, we also talk about color, about shading. We do a lot of with shades because um, it's easier than filling in everything. Mm -hmm. So we, we shade, we also work with pastels to make big surfaces. If you work with uh, a lot of people are trainers or, or people from the agile world that have big posters so they can use chalks to make a background, mm. something you can't do with the markers. So we talk a little right. bit about materials. And uh, in the end, um, we, we just touch a lot of different um, possibilities that what you can do with visualization and at the end of the second day you have the possibility to do your own masterpiece which is a poster that you can use at the next day for your facilitation or training mm. or presentation or whatever so people leave with something they can immediately use and hopefully with a spirit that they they can do it and mm. that's that's a feedback that, that we get some people say I haven't learned that much in two days for all of my life. <laughs> wow, and that's something that we are that. rejoicing about. Yeah. <laughs> Mentally yeah, tired after a two day. Yeah, it, it will be. Know. It's exhausting. It's uh, training is exhausting. But yeah. Because you take away a lot of things, not only in the way you draw also in your head about uh, composition, about translating yeah. content to visuals. And yeah. since we didn't want to just overcrowd training, we set up other trainings, advanced training, visual storytelling, graphic recording, because we we found that uh, it needs more time yeah. to, for example, find out how to draw in the speed of sound when when somebody is talking and mm -hmm. you have to be, a, as a graphic recorder, to record it at the same time, not 100%, but in the same Pretty period close, of yeah. time. Um, that's also special techniques and methodologies that we develop for this purpose. And that's actually my job in the company. I'm. Most of all, if I don't have to deal with business issue, business issue issues, I'm uh, a developer of methodologies. Hmm. It's really interesting the way you've structured that two-day thing. And the way I pictured the image came to my mind of a really good experience I had pre-corona at a restaurant, right? And it was mm -hmm. a 20-course meal. Uh, mm -hmm. When my wife saw the 20-course meal, it was a holiday meal. She said, oh, we might have to stop somewhere for dinner after because that's not going <laughs> to fill me up, right? Yeah. Uh, the interesting side effect was um we we went through each course in the meal and had a taste and it was really wonderful each course was unique in itself and we tasted it um and we got to the end and we were not we were totally full like we could barely mm -hmm. finish the last course right and what i see in the way you've structured it is you're almost doing a, a tasting course for people right it's it's instructional it's foundational but it sounds like as they go through and try these different techniques and um, materials and si you know all these different things, you start to get a feeling like, oh, I really like, I like working on uh, posters with pastels, let's say, right, and markers, right. So you, that's my that's where I'm going to go, right. And then you can say at the end, well, what did you what what spoke to you the most? And then you can direct them to another training where you go more deeply yeah. into that, right. So it's it's a way in, in a lot of ways for your team to identify. Uh, for the student, what might be a good fit for them, or maybe the facilitator actually sees like, wow, you're really you're really fast and really good at at this part of it. You should consider 
going deeper in that space, right? Your trainers will probably spot that as well. I think we just set the foundations for everything that comes. We have people that want to attend, for example, the visual storytelling training, which is a part of a curriculum Mm -hmm. with four modules. So they say, no, we didn't do the basic training. We learned it by ourselves and we want to directly attend. And then we say, you can, we, we don't want to prevent you, but you will you will possibly see that you're lacking some things that you yeah. need to be at the same speed than, than the other people's in the mm-hmm. training. And sometimes people just teach um, our, our self, uh, how do you say they teach, teach themselves? Self-taught, I guess, or yeah, didactic yeah, yeah. teaching. Yeah, they, are, they, they, they learn it from the books and doing it on their own way. And that's perfect. And sometimes people, after the visual storytelling training, say, now I have to do the basic training mm. because they found out they are lacking some of the basic um, issues like holding the pen or drawing the icons that we, that we offer. So it's, it's like a, a meal, but it's a meal where one course is just over the other. You know, mm. it's, it's, you have a certain foundation, which is for me, the, the working with the hands, and then right. you have another foundation, and then it's just like a pyramid, and you have to do every step in order to get to the next one. Mm. And you get to the, to the point where you're able to design your own posters, and then you might think after a certain time, Ah, now I would like to um, be a graphic recorder and do this in real time. I have the techniques, but I don't have the experience on how to do this just in a certain synchronicity with a keynote speaker or with a dialogue in a conference. So Mm -hmm. that's completely different. We, of course, in the graphic recording training also teach uh, techniques, but um, it's all uh, focused on the question, what do I need to draw in a real-time situation. And in visual storytelling, it's more like, what can I do to set up a, a story, mm. like, like, a, like a movie on the paper, like a comic yeah. strip. So it's also a bit more conceptual. But anyway, in every training, there's a new input on techniques, of course. Yeah, it's a different kind of animal, it sounds like. You know, yeah. They have different purposes. So I'm most curious now, uh, two things. Well, the first thing is, what do you find is most challenging? Because it sounds like the business is built on this in-person experience, mm-hmm. which I, has huge advantages. I've, you know, I can see the difference between what's the most challenging thing going online, and what are some things that you found that actually are maybe benefits to being online. Wow, that's a big question. Yeah. For me, as a as a person who likes to who likes to deep dive, for example, and uh, who likes to feel resonance. To talk to tiles in a Zoom meeting is very difficult. Yeah. Because, Mike, you know the situation where you have like 20 attendants. I'm on a meetup this night where I have like 200 or 300, I mm-hmm. guess. So if you look at their faces, you can't tell whether they are their thoughts are with you and their hearts are with you yeah. or they're checking the email or writing the shopping list. <laughs> so, yeah. So I have to um, be self-confident in a, in, in, in a completely different way than I yeah. do in a training that I do in a, in a classroom because I immediately feel I enter the room and sit down and ask people and look in their faces and I see directly how the mood is and whether there's something we have to talk about before. Mm-hmm. These are basic trainer skills to find about this, yeah. find out about this. And in uh, an online meeting, you have to do everything very... Um, 
directly you have to ask people please tell me now in a 30 second time frame how you feel or thumbs up thumbs down so it's nothing you mm -hmm. get just by looking at the faces so this this is the most difficult thing for me yeah. as a trainer and also since we are working with our hands with uh, pin boards you know things you can touch and 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 so on we're very very analog as a, as a company mm -hmm. um, it's also possibly easier to train how to work on your iPad than how to work on an analog pin board. Yeah, yeah. So these are difficulties and the chances are that it's easier from a product development process and our trainings are somehow products, you know, services, like something you can build and test and deliver and sell in the end. It's quicker to test something we can have we can set up something in the morning and test it in, in the evening with yeah. people who want to attend and then the agile people say it's like sprints it's like mm -hmm. little um tryouts that you do until you get to a point where you can have something they call it an increment that you can sell so it's a product which is not perfect but it's something that you can pretty close get to yeah. the next level and yeah. then you can try out and you can you can test um these sprints online are faster because we can develop things and test them in a very short period of time. And our training is also possibly easier to scale because mm -hmm. um, the trainer doesn't have to travel. Right. We usually do shorter training, which means not three days. You can't sit three days in a row on a screen. I couldn't. So we do short um, training steps, which is easier for the, for the brain to digest and we do it possibly on six different days, which is not mm -hmm. possible if everybody has to travel. Mm -hmm. Most of all, internationally, and then having an online platform now, which is online.picablo.com, which is not which is not perfectly um, set up, but it's uh, set up for the for the German market for the moment. Mm -hmm. We can also reach people in areas where we don't have a local uh, trainer, mm. a licensed trainer like uh, Island or. <laughs> wonder about Argentina or places in the world where we haven't been before so yeah. I, I can meet now people from 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 places where I haven't been and we, we don't have connections so it's easier yeah. to just to connect with people internationally mm -hmm. and of course being uh, an environmental conscious person I, I I don't like to sit in a plane and fly all over the world all the time sometimes mm -hmm. I do this but um, if you do an online training concept properly, I think in the end, it's also good for climate. Hmm. Yeah, those are two two great observations. And I feel the same, right? That's you feel like you're presenting to nobody, right? You're getting no reaction. You can't perceive like those micro movements of someone showing they're dissatisfied or they're not understanding or all those things are gone, right? You have to, you can't, you can't you just can't do that. But the, on the plus side, right, the idea that you can quickly modify and change you can make something in the morning and deliver it the next day uh you know there's always trade-offs i guess in everything right that's what we learn through life um thank you for sharing so much about bika blow and where your mind is and the structure it's been really helpful it helps me form an image in my mind and it gets me excited to see and hear what you're doing um and really really proud of the work you're doing it's uh really great to see the impact you're having in the world i think it's really important as visual people who are trying to get people to use that language that they have and improve it. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's exciting and I'm really proud to see 
the work you're doing with your with your community. That's really really great. What I've been doing lately is uh, asking guests what they're excited about. I want to hear something you're excited about that you're doing now mm-hmm. or that you're planning to do. Yeah. Uh, just as a little encouragement, there's enough things in the world, right, that <laughs> aren't exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let's yeah. bring something exciting and be positive, right? Okay. Um, being in this business for more or less 20 years now, I, I've been a, a visual facilitator, I've been a graphic recorder. I did some sketch noting, although not at the perfection that Mike Grody does it. And, I'm not sure if I'm know, perfection either. <laughs> sketch noting is, is just a part of our business, but it yeah. opened the door for me, which was very important mm. and which excites me a lot now, is about what I call visual problem solving. Mm. I wonder if you're familiar with um, the, the book, uh, The Back of the Napkin by yes, Dan Rome. Dan Rome, yeah. yeah. So this became somehow a buddy for me. And he, he did more very interesting books, but his basic idea is that you can, you can solve a problem by drawing it in, in a very, very simple style. So he says, mm-hmm. draw it on the back of the napkin. It's, it's, you don't need big pinboards or whatever. Yeah. So this, this um, accompanied me for a long time because after having done so many different um, disciplines in the field of visual uh, visual thinking, I become more and more uh, interested in the core or the essential of what we call visual thinking and visualization. And this for me is, is a point where I also start to read philosophical things and mm-hmm. cognition theory and neuro theory and whatever kind of stuff helps us to understand what happens in our brains. So um, the things that I'm working on at the moment when I have time to write and to meditate and to to doodle most of all is the, the the question which is very small but also very big how can you solve problems with pictures and this is something i'm working also on a methodog- methodological level so i try to find out step-by-step approaches or templates or whatever kind of stuff to to help people to solve a problem by following a certain path mm-hmm. and one idea which i just stumbled across it's a very very simple idea, and I can I will I will just draw it for you or show it on my presentation here. So unfortunately, people can't um, see it when they are just listening. But anyway, I can I can add it to the show, uh, to the to the show notes if you like. So um, um, a pioneer of visual thinking was Bob Horn. He I think he he was a scholar from from Stanford University, mm. and he wrote a book, Visual Language for the Twenty First Century. It's a very ugly book, but it's a good book. (laughs) But anyway, uh, one idea of his was to define um, visualization as the combination of basically three things. The first thing which struck me was he said, visualization is about text. Mm -hmm. Wow, text is part of visualization. That's what a lot of people are not aware of when they come to our training. They just design a poster and uh, it's just visuals and they they are um, somehow surprised when they are not understood. So text is just a basic part of it. And then he makes a differentiation between graphics and images. Mm. So what's the difference between graphics and images? Mm -hmm. And he says graphics is any visual element or element of visualization which does not have a background in the reality so mm-hmm. that's not philosophically um, aesthetically not correctly um, more conceptual maybe yeah yeah it's conceptual so if you have an arrow 
Of course, there has been an arrow in some cave somewhere where somebody has been drawing an arrow he used for killing the reindeer, mm -hmm. but it's something really abstract. Or if you have this, you know, the shapes that we call light, um, no, not light, light bulbs, speech balls speech or speech mm -hmm. bubbles, mm -hmm. or the, the piece of paper with the doggy ear. Yeah. And they are so far away from reality, you could call them graphics, graphic elements, or even dotted lines. Mm -hmm. So this is one thing. And then, on the other hand, you have images that always have something in behind which comes from reality. If right. I draw a shark fin, I possibly don't talk about sharks, I talk about danger. Right. But it's something that is derived from reality. If I draw people or buildings or other kinds of stuff, they are all, um, they come from something which exists in reality. And therefore, if you combine all of them, you get all the parts you need for visualization. So mm -hmm. visualization is an intersection of three of them. And Bob Horn says, when you take two elements, graphics and text, or text and images, or images and text, and images and graphics, you already have something you could call visual language. So this is really a simple definition I really liked. And mm -hmm. I started to just um, think this over and wonder, because I'm more a conceptual and, and a systematic person from my background and also from my way of thinking, what could we do to make it easier to start from the blank page, for example. Mm. So I started to get to step back a lot from all the little icons that we designed and all the imagery and to say, what happens in our brains in a visual way when we talk about an issue, a problem, a project, a product we want to develop? what images come to our head. And they could be graphic images, like saying, on the one hand and on the other hand. So mm -hmm. this is already visualization for me. Mm -hmm. Or we have a long way to go. And then the ideas in your head suddenly turn language. So you have a lot of images in your language. So we could, if, if we talk to each other and somebody says, that's monkey business, ah, that's an image that you're using. And we, yeah. could talk, we could just draw easily a monkeys, monkeys sitting on the tables and and and, and see what happens when, when, when you when you depict it in this way. So this is this is what uh, David Sibbett, uh, great um, pioneer of visual thinking, mm -hmm. already back in the 80s and 70s said, if you have like this generating image that you're using in your language or you have in your head, you can work with that and you can ask the question, what kind of what kind of monkey business is it? What, mm. what, what are monkeys doing? Are there different <laughs> monkeys? Are they just all the same? So you work with images in your language and you use the piece of paper just to help the other person to understand. And this could just reframe the problem. And that mm. these, these things about reframing, how to ask questions, where you find pictures and so on, are the things that delight me a lot. And mm. I try to find out how to use all of this knowledge to set up new methodologies and maybe write a new book about that. Mm -hmm. So this is this is uh, my if if if, if Picablo is my my first band, this is my side project, <laughs> and hopefully gets uh, a release someday. Uh, yeah, between it sounds exciting. Covers or as a training or so on. Yeah, it's it's really great to see that after twenty years you still get excited about this. That's a good sign that you still there's still more. It's an endless opportunity to learn and. And to share, so that's really that's really great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to shift now. You sort of 
tipped your hand a little bit in, in saying that you do lots of analog work. Uh, we mm-hmm. talk about tools, right? Um, people yeah. who uh, listen to the podcast, they love hearing about new tools because you just never know uh, what tool might change the way you work. So mm-hmm. it's important, I think, that we share the, the tools we use because someone might discover something they didn't think about. So mm-hmm. talk a little bit about the tools that you like. We'll start with analog first, and then if you like, you can mm-hmm. switch into you know digital tools that you're, that you're using. Well, talking about analog tools, of course, I, I like all the, the range of Neuland and the products they do. Also, because it's you know it's a it's a small company. It's a company which is on the countryside in Germany. Yeah, and um, they develop things just from the practical work for practical work, and they they do a lot of prototyping and they try out a lot of things, and then they they look for the feedback of um, the visual practitioners and how to improve them. So it's not products that are conceived in a, in a brainstorming sessions. There are things that are conceived in, a, in, a, in the workshop and, mm. and built with, with their hands and improved with the feedback from the community. And in general, to talk about maybe one or two single things, for example, what I like is a pen which is called Twin One. It's a pen where you have a chisel tip on one side and the brush tip on the other side. Right. And since um, I like to work very quickly when I when I talk about visualizing at the speed of sound in a dialogue, I don't like to switch pens. They are lying around and you have to put off the cap again and put it on. So I like to use very simple things that are versatile in, in a way. So this... This pen with the two tips was was just great mm. for me for yeah. just using one pen and not having to carry two pens with me. So that's just an example on the on the great work that that Learnet is, is is doing. Yeah, it's hard to pick one tool from their line. They have so many great tools. Yeah, that's 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 right. But also another thing which 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 I like to use is, for example, they have a. A flip chart you can turn into a table. You just switch it from like this to that, and you can also change the, the height, the height of it. Interesting. So that's great. You you can work on a flip chart like this, standing next to each other, like on a coffee table, and working on that. So that's that's also something I like, and also something which is not a tool but gave me a lot of inspiration are the books by Ed Emberley. Mm-hmm. You know Ed Emberley? Yes. Yeah, of course. Um, Brandy Egobeck, she's a friend of mine. She's also a great um, uh, visual facilitating writer and trainer and so on. So she introduced me to the children's books of Ed Emberley and mm-hmm. he does exactly what we do, but in his own style. He uh, teaches you how to draw a complete pirate ship with pirates and cannons and sharks and everything, but also step by step. And you, you just look at a little red square and then some ears are added and, and, a, and a body is added. And everything is just so simple and you have so much fun looking at the pictures. So this inspired me a lot. So if you want to start to visualize, buy at Emberley's books and rejoice. <laughs> yeah, his stuff is great. <laughs> yeah. Is there any, um, so we know you like Neuland pens and they have yeah. lots of paper products. Are there any mm-hmm. specific like... In your daily work, is there like a notebook or sheets of paper that you typically, yeah. like if you were forced to narrow it down to something, what would you choose for your paper that you would use yeah. with your nylon markers? Mm-hmm. Um, I always carry an 
I always call it my external brain, <laughs> my exo brain, which is a sketchbook in A5 format, okay. landscape, so like that. Horizontal, yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I always had them in double size, but um, I found it easier to carry a small thing around because I always carry it with me. Mm -hmm. So what I like about the size and this specific product is that you can just put it open on the table and it doesn't close by itself. Mm. Lays flat. So it's, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's flat. It has a special binding and we're going to do the, the next Picablo visual vocabulary in the same kind of binding. Oh, like nice. the, you just put it on the table and stays like that without mm. the pages turning by, by themselves. And uh, what I like to have is it, that it's cheap. So I use it all the time when I walk around my company from desk to desk and um, my, my colleagues ask me, Martin, can you, can you just give me an inspiration on how to solve this tax problem? Mm -hmm. We have a change of the, um, the um, uh, bedded LU tax in Germany from 90% to 16%. What do we do with the training price? And I always say, stop, I have to, I have to use my exo brain and then draw things in this little sketch pad. So that's that's why I like that it's cheap because mm. it just I, I turn the pages and I use a lot of them and the images or the sketch notes that I do there are usually not very nice to right. look at but they help functional. me to yeah. to yeah functional and they help me to gather information and not overcrowd my brain. Mm. There's a psychological research that said that you can keep in your mind like five to seven things mm -hmm. at the same time. With my brain, it's maybe three or four. <laughs> if I go in the shop without a shopping list, I'm completely lost. Yeah. So I have to, every information I have to uh, want to use or I want to put together, I have to put on the paper. And therefore this exobrain helps me mm. uh, in a very simple way. You can also use your iPad if you want. Sure, yeah, on. any so kind of the thing. Same thing. Yeah. Um, is, is, this, um, is this a Neuland product? Is it a Moleskin product or another product that you typically choose or do you switch uh, products for this actually size? it's from my local uh, art shop oh, I great. don't even know the brand okay but it's, just I think it's not the question whether it's a certain brand it's just yeah. it's, more it's so format, easy yeah. and and cheap that you will always carry it with you and yeah. uh, you can use it all the day yeah. all, all day long maybe gotcha yeah. gotcha great what about digital tools what are the digital tools that you're liking these days um, actually, like a lot of people, we switched a lot from our training delivery tools as well as, as the, 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 all the things behind. So I, I had actually um, an iPad Pro all the time lying around mm -hmm. and sleeping all day long. So uh, <laughs> because I, I, I was like, how I have to get into these apps and, and drawing yeah. um, um, uh, apps actually and tools someday when I have time, but I didn't right. have time. So I wasn't forced to do so because I also had my little sketchbook in paper. I, there was no need for using the iPad. Now, the iPad Pro is becoming my exobrain mm. because um, it's easier not to draw. I, I, I prefer drawing with pens on paper mm -hmm. still, but it's easier to communicate in an online meeting what you think if you connect the iPad directly with as a, as a webcam mm -hmm. input to Zoom, like I'm doing now as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I can just grab it and draw something um, in a, in behind me. So I have developed a little green, green, green screen technique for this. So um, this is becoming more and more 
the device that I'm using mm. just because of connectivity. Mm. And of course, you can directly send to people in an email or in the chat yeah, of, quick. of Zoom or whatever. So I'm becoming more and more digital. Yeah. Is there a specific uh, tool that you that you prefer that works well for you, the way you work? You uh, mean as far as software? software? Yeah, as yeah. software. Mm, actually, um, some colleagues show up every day with something new. So yeah, I'm not the early adapter of these yeah. things, but what I like is uh, on the iPad Procreate mm -hmm. because Great it's tool. simple, but you can also do very complicated things with. So if people ask me which app to start with, if you start drawing on the iPad, I used to say maybe Bamboo Paper, maybe Paper, paper 53, but now mm -hmm. I think that if you start with Procreate and just don't get... Um, somehow seduced by the whole the bunch detail. of possibilities, yeah, yeah. like so many pen tips and so many whatever kind of uh, possibilities and functionalities. If you keep it simple, I think it's it's a good tool to start with and also mm. to do really sophisticated things with. And I tried out half a dozen and they're all great, but I, I stuck to appropriate because it's easier to, to be good at one tool than to be more or less good at 10. Right. Yeah. And I think you also find that some softwares just fit the way you think and work. Yeah. Right. So you, it's good to be aware of that when you're looking at tools, what works the way I think. And I think that's more important than it's popular or those things, yeah. right? It has to do what you need to do and it has to work the way you work. Otherwise, if mm -hmm. you talk about drawing at the speed of sound, right? If you're always fighting with the tool, that's not serving your purpose. So I think it's important to also gauge your reaction to the tool as much as the features, right? Because you're going to have to live with this thing if you adopt it. So yeah, and you have to be f you have to have fun, right? If, if it doesn't just give you a spark of inspiration at the first moment, you won't use it again. Yeah, I'm not the kind of person who who wants to read um, pages and pages of manuals in order to <laughs> to do it perfectly. I want to start right away, and I think this applies to most people in the field. Yeah, and I agree. In general, so um, I want to shift now to tips. Talk about three tips that you would suggest. I sort of frame it as someone is into sketch noting, peak up low, visualization, whatever, and they feel like they're doing well, but they maybe have hit a plateau or they just need some inspiration to move to the next level. What would be mm -hmm. three things that you might suggest to someone? Um, it's difficult to take three tips out hmm. of 300 sure. or 3,000. Um, something I have prepared for the presentation I am having tonight is that I say... For visualization, what you need is a systematic. Mm. That's my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. I'm a, that's also what people say to me. Martin, you're always so systematic. You always have like a drawer for everything you can put in and you always yeah. put in grades and, and, and organize things. So this applies for me. For some people mm -hmm. it doesn't, but it's, it's, I only can talk about things that I practice. So what I think is important if you want to be um, somebody who draws at the speed of sound, which means drawing in a conversation. Mm -hmm. So it's the thing about visual problem solving. We've been talking just a minute ago. Um, I think uh, systematic helps you because if you have a system behind your drawing, you are quicker to put it out of your sleeve, like we say in Germany. Mm -hmm. um, it's easier to draw something that you have drawn 10 times before. So this systematic for me is something which applies, for example, on vocabulary. 
So if you have, let's say for the starting 10 icons that you know and that you can use and that you have used before, I think you're going to be more successful than having 30 or 40 that you first have to think of how did this shark fin look like. And when I do this real-time sketch noting or real-time visualization on the back of a napkin, I usually use my way of drawing people from the Picablo Emotions book. I have a magnifying glass. I have a very easy representation of a building. So it's like a business building. And I have this little pile of money because it's usually it's all about money and taxes and whatever kind of things I need to, to do my business with. Then I have this piece of paper with a doggy ear. I like to do this graphs with mm -hmm. the curves because you can show tendencies and, and trends with that. Mm -hmm. And something I learned from the IT people, this is how they draw a database. Mm. It's a little can with... with uh, it's data not a inside, can. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a data can. So that's what they like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and and everybody in the in the IT business recognizes this as a database. And then I have this thought bubble, thought bubble. and mm -hmm. a speech bubble. Yeah, how, how do you say in English? Yeah, thought bubble and speech thought bubble. bubble. Yeah. So one is more the internal thinking, and the other is yeah. spoken. Yeah. Exactly. So with this little set of icons, I can do most of my visualization. Wow, that's great. So using as the words that I use, because as we said before, it's also about text and it's most mm -hmm. of all for me about how to arrange things. So the second thing, so if you have a system, system of these elements and you try them out, um, you will be very successful. And the second thing is you also have, I think you also have to be in a way systematic in your style. So. Mm -hmm. Some people, when, when they've done our training, they think that the Bicablo style is just the only way to draw things, which is mm -hmm. completely um, um, nuts because there are so many different styles. We've just right. chosen one which for us works best. For example, Brandy Egerbeck draws it in a completely different way than Mike Grody does, than David right. Sibbett does, than, for example, Dave Gray is somebody I adore, adore mm -hmm. very much. He's, yeah. He's, He's a great a craftsman. Style, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So everybody has an, a systematic in his style, which means some some people draw shadows, some mm. people um, fill in their images with lines to make them darker. There's a certain way to organize text. So you have mm -hmm. arrows and you have bullet points and so on. So you mm -hmm. also have a set of elements that where you can use to organize text with. You have lettering styles. I once mm -hmm. attended training with Heather Martinez, and, and, oh, yeah. and it was great because she did like three styles, but 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 uh, she she um, shared them in a way that we could just decide for ourselves which one we could use. And I think three lettering styles are perfect, mm -hmm. but you have to just use them very very quickly, mm -hmm. or the way that you work with intersections and you mm -hmm. work with development in a very graphical easy way up to the way that you draw people. Gotcha. And even, you know, uh, people usually think when they come to our training that there's a certain way and the need to draw people like little stick figures. 
But there are visualizers that don't use them at all because mm -hmm. they don't need them because they have a systematic where it's not needed. And the third level of systematic is for me the level of strategy. Mm. Now this means where do you start on your page? What template mm -hmm. do you have in your head mm -hmm. when you want to possibly show a certain way of dialogue or a certain development? And that's something I'm exploring at the moment as well mm -hmm. as a side project on defining these very easy templates, mm -hmm. grids, um, diagrams that you can use just to start with something you have in your head and with your interview partner or with your um, dialogue partner or group you can just offer as a great for the conversation mm. and this is as well systematic so I always ask people to think of a systematic as an aid and not stick to the things that we teach in our training but to find their own style mm. because we can we can just set the spark and give a piece of inspiration and then people have to find out about their own style and their own way of thinking um, and their own way of visualizing in the realm of their company or business mm. or consulting uh, practice. It's almost like you provide in the Beagle Blow way is you provide the foundation yeah, and then each individual student then takes that and builds a systematic approach towards uh, the elements they use often, right? You talked about when you went into individual companies, some companies are IT, they don't care about legal uh, icons, right? But maybe a law firm Possibly, does, right? Right. But so sometimes I mean, they need them as well. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some crossover, but maybe some uniqueness. And then mm -hmm. the style is your own way, which is most fun for me when I see people's work is how their style comes through. Like when you see a Dave Gray drawing, you know it's Dave or Brandy or yeah. Ben Phelis, right? Or whoever, their style is unique and you can spot it pretty quickly. And I think that's a big question too is people want to know how to develop their style. And I think a lot of it is just to do a lot of it, right? Until you start to see your preference and you kind of play with ideas. And then finally, this idea of having a strategy about how you put all the pieces together. That's a really, you know, unified theory almost, right? All the way from the elements up to the way it's put together. I really love, yeah. I, I love those three tips. So Martin, how can people reach out to you individually? We know we can go to, to, uh, Blow sites and stuff. Are you also on social media? Is that some place that you go where people can see your work or uh, reach yes. out to you and ask questions? What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? So, um, if you want to be updated about training, the best thing is to um, register for the newsletter. We mm -hmm. have a German one and an English one. So, usually, if we are out with a new training concept, most of all at the moment, online training, uh, the people that get the newsletter are the first ones to know all the people that follow us on um, Facebook or LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. We also have a stream on Instagram where we okay. sh share more um, experiences and things we find along the way and other kind of stuff. But okay. if, if you want to be informed about what we are offering, I think getting in touch by LinkedIn or Facebook, it's, it's okay. the best way. And of course, you can write me an email. Maybe I will answer. Maybe I will pass it over <laughs> directly to the training department if sure. it's about training. But anyway, um, everybody's just invited to get in touch and ask questions. And if you're interested in the global training program, we have Frank Besseler. He's heading up the, the whole thing and mm. he's also very happy for people who are interested. So get in touch and uh, 
Great. We are we are we don't have a call center. We don't have chatbots. We are real people. Yeah. <laughs> in well, a real place in a real company <laughs> well that's good to hear and i will definitely have all these links in the show notes so if this has really sparked your mind and you want to go deeper on Blow, we'll have all kinds of links in the show notes for you to follow up on and you can take the trainings buy the books reach out to martin and his team and yeah. uh, yet another thing i just forgot we are thinking mm-hmm. of having a regular meetup session mm, interesting maybe every two or three weeks we are not sure because the idea is just fresh Mm-hmm. But you will possibly have the opportunity to meet us in person for like 90 or 100 minute sessions mm. every couple of weeks. So it will be free and everybody's just asked to join in and share and and uh, we, we, we like this kind of things to um, also try out things we develop for mm. our trainings. So stay tuned and you will... Yeah, sign up for the newsletter. I'm sure you'll be alerted. And Mm -hmm. maybe by the time this uh, episode releases, you'll have something we can, again, add that in the show notes. So if you're listening to this, jump to your show notes and look around. And there's plenty of, um, there's going to be plenty of things for you to jump to and and explore. This is really a fun, uh, fun person in Martin and a really great company that's been doing this for a long time. Martin, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for all the great work you and your team are doing. It's really a benefit to the world, and I really appreciate all that work that you are doing and how you're impacting the world. Thank you. Thank you, Mike, for having me. You're so welcome. And for those who are listening, this will be a wrap for another episode of the Sketchnote Army podcast. Until the next episode, talk to you soon. The Sketchnote Army podcast was created by me, Mike Rohde, and brought to you by Rohde Design Studios. It's produced and edited by Alec Polianis of Amp Creative Studios. The theme music was created by John Schiedemeyer. To support the creation of this show, I invite you to buy one of my books, The Sketchnote Handbook or The Sketchnote Workbook. You can find the books on Amazon or go to peachpit.com and use the code RODI40 for 40% off. Please share this podcast with other visual thinking friends and be sure to leave a nice rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app so others can find the show.